0: Listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It Podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs.
1: Chris here with another episode of the make it podcast and this is a special indie talk because this is our 2021 best of show only 10 days late (laughs) only that's it bro it's all good and like you told me when we first met better late than never there There you go That's, you got it. That was what you taught me <laughs> every time we scheduled anything together.
2: Yes, right. <laughs> at, least, at, least,
1: at least you showed up.
2: Yes. Thanks, I know Chris. you're we
1: here several you, hours after the time we scheduled the event. Yep. But
2: you knocked my door and, we, you know, that's all I needed. And I appreciated you calling to let me know that you were only 10 minutes away you know, every 30 minutes. I mean, I
1: really appreciate that. Every 30. What people don't know. Okay. So here's what people don't know that are listening that, or they may not know is that one out of every four drivers in Nashville is legally intoxicated at any given time. This was a survey from three or four years ago. And so as I'm coming out to you, there are checks. Mm. Breathalyzers. Boom. Oh, yeah. One, mm. two. Yeah. Now you got to match these thousands of cars. One. Right, three, right. Two. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm every time away. I think I'm 10 minutes away and then it's, hey, man, I'm it. still 10 minutes away. Actually. Totally understood that like, I'm not every be time people, so I know I'm going to go through the check. Yeah, but, but, but I'm saying like every time you're on your Saturdays, way. On Fridays.
2: Got it. They 100%. did it, they did it on
1: Sundays. Uh, they, you know.
2: That's um, the route that you took, was.
1: Right, these were the, the checkpoints. Check. Got check, it. Uh, it Four forty. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They did it on Mondays, uh, Tuesdays,
2: probably uh, uh, Wednesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, <laughs> I think. <probably. laughs> they did it. They did it all the days I was driving. <laughs> exactly. Is,
1: is, is, is the point. But yep. that being said, lateness is still gives it still gives you potential for what. Greatness. Greatness. And what we want to do today is give you greatness. And we have some things on the plate. We're going to go through what our best performances of the year are best film, best production company, best indie distributor, best indie director, best festival to go to, and our best podcast moments. And we brought friends here with us as well to do it. And so, Nick, why don't we? Why don't we? jump right in and invite our first guest.
3: Cool, this, you want it. me to go
1: back to the beginning and make sure I do like the preamble where I say, Nick, say hello
2: and all that stuff. Nah, man, we're in it, bro. Which I we're scared. in it. We're <laughs> in it because, you know, we're, we're in it. Let's go. Let's go. It's yeah, it's all, all good. good. Okay. Let's bring in
1: our first guest speaker, our first guest uh, announcer of the Best for 2021 former podcast guest, Robert Broadhurst. And he (laughs) is joining us now, hopefully connecting to to the audio here. And when he jumps on Nick, what we'll do is we'll have him reintroduce himself, maybe if he'd like to. Um, We will give him, let's say, a runway to air grievances
2: if he wants to air. There he is. There's the yeah, man. But, but, but what if Robert doesn't want to introduce himself? Like then, then what do we do? Like I don't understand. You know that could just mess us all up. You know it's just. You know, <laughs> look, look at him. I can see his face.
4: Like, hmm. This is what? a
2: this is a potential problem.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, a, a nice to, to meet you. Uh, B good to <laughs> see you. C I actually went to Q and A Q&A for Red Rocket recently, and um, the it was Brie Elrod, the actor. And, um, and the, the moderator was this like lady who only declared that she works in porn without ever declaring <laughs> who she actually was. Cause she <laughs> so expected you to know who time. she was. So this is somebody who works in porn. I don't know what capacity or what the deal is. I obviously recognize the actor from the movie. It turns out it was Asa Akira. Mm-hmm. who's like one of the bigger porn stars ever. And, uh, wow. I had no idea the whole time.
2: <laughs>
4: if your first name is Asa, Asa? you kind of like...
2: <laughs> you have
1: to inform yeah. the way I that think it's your probably first name Asa. is Jeeves.
2: You're a <laughs> you hear that? It's probably Asa, but that's not what was in his head. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I, yeah. You're doing, I, yeah. Robert, you're
1: doing what I do with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. I cannot... Gilan? Gilan or whatever. I cannot pronounce her name... Uh, in, unless I say Jizz Lane Maxwell <laughs> I, just, I cannot I can't I, I've, I've trained myself to say it the wrong way and well we'll yeah. we're gonna take that conversation uh, to the bar
4: <laughs> in Manhattan so, is, is that where you're uh, at right now are
1: you are you uh, yeah I'm in, New I'm York? in Brooklyn
4: yeah. Brooklyn yeah yeah. yeah. Um, what do you what, so what do, do you guys you want me to introduce myself yeah if you'd like, yeah, go ahead and we introduced you. Well, what's we, the, we, the, we kind what's of pre-introduced
1: the, introduced you, but but go ahead and introduce yourself again. To the you're going
4: to edit all this, and It's like, are we free to talk right now? Or yeah, you can say whatever you want. So we're recording. Yeah. You know, we're in we're, it. We're going to just roll yeah, we're and live. just
2: have a good time. Like, there's no need to edit. What is an edit? Edit. We're not is editing out the is that fact a, is that, is, that a his, his earbud just
4: fell out of his ears. This is all <laughs> that's, good. Uh, that's. <laughs> this is i'm I'm gonna need an upgrade she's she's gonna need to go back to the well i'm afraid (laughs) that's difficult for her um yeah no i just i just wanted to know what the format was and, and what i could do to facilitate it that's all
1: yeah absolutely um well let me let me say some things about you first robert broadhurst was our podcast guest Earlier this year, one of the first guests on the podcast this year, amazing year on the cast. I had so much fun talking to you, man. I just can't even explain it and learn so much in our short conversation. So if people want to go find it, we don't actually number our conversations by episode. But you can go back to January 26th of 2021 and you can get caught up on everything that is uh in the film world of of robert broadhurst he's an incredible director and and pretty much does uh anything you need him to do in film i would probably guess is that is that fair to say that you you can wear
4: a a variety of hats i mean i can fake those hats till i make those hats yeah that's what i'm talking about (laughs) well what
1: well how do you feel about that though nick like with the Elizabeth Holmes thing going down and everyone sort of making it an issue of maybe we should stop telling people to fake it until they make it.
2: Now, I think it's, there's an intention behind that, right? Which is especially like applying all these different skills, but some of it's like, just say what it is that you are as opposed to saying that you're trying to be that thing right so you're not really faking it if you're doing it yeah right you just might not be doing it as well now as you will be you know after you mess up a couple times and you learn some lessons so you know it's i think that's it's it's the intent behind it right if you're legit faking and you're just putting out some garbage and you know you're you're a pretender that's a whole different story but that's not the intent behind the statement yeah i've got a
1: friend marcus whitney who did a whole TED talk on fake it if you make it until you make it. And you know, there is this line that you have to ride between unbridled optimism and delusion, the like sort of the, the delusion of the entrepreneur, let's say, and fraud. And you know, for him, he was like at night teaching himself how to code and during the day telling his employer he knew how to code. now what now is that grift or is that good he eventually taught himself to code did the job really well left started his own company and now he's like a multi uh he's like a serial entrepreneur successful everything he does and he just uh, uh, released his book last year first book so he's published author now and i think the book did pretty well um i don't know what do you think about that robert
4: uh, yeah, I think there's a fine line between between confidence and putting in the work to get there and fraud. Um, and I think you know you always have to bridge, um, you know, with confidence and risk the the gap between what you can do, you know, at present and what you will be able to do. I mean, if you don't risk that, you're just never going to get there. Yeah, um, right. But yeah. but there's but there's a huge. I mean, you know. I'd say Elizabeth Holmes is in a completely different category. Um, yeah. You know, she 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 wasn't you know learning science at night. <laughs> she was just deepening <laughs> her her methods of grift, You know, yeah. I think she felt
1: like she knew what she was going to know. She, you know, she was like a character out of the Fountainhead or something, where she's like, "Well, I'll leave Stan. Very I'm much. Re- I'm ready to go." Um, and I think I understand how this game works through the media and I'm going to manipulate the media. They're going to love this, this story because I'm a woman. Unfortunately, that's, I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, Hate me for it, whatever. Um, But I think it's a huge part of it. And I do think, like you said, Nick, it's intention. It's like you actually put someone else's, someone's logo on letterhead as a partner that. Actually, you didn't have a partner, like you didn't, you never even talked to them. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty intentional. It's like that's beyond like a a founder that just like didn't make it work and and burned your money. And we go through that investing in films, right? Like what is the what is the tightrope between fraud and a filmmaker that just isn't working hard to return your investment? You know, it's it's a, it's probably for another call but it's um, it's an interesting topic we should probably explore cuz we've met true fraudsters in film and we've met filmmakers that desperately want to make your money back and execute on those things and then we've met filmmakers who like kind of like if like if a fairy gave them an idea they'd be like yeah thank god but outside of that they're not going to try to make your money back so, um,
2: it's, it's a, it, yeah, we're going to explore that topic in the, in the next inning. Talk in the please. next one. Yeah. But I, you know, we, yeah. when you mentioned that though, I kind of wonder for Robert, like you do a lot of, um, a lot of commercial work yeah and have you ever picked up a project from someone else that didn't actually like get it done for the client and they were like, we got to call somebody else. And like, they called you and they're like, Hey, can you fix this for us? Can you, has that ever happened to you?
4: Uh, I haven't been in a lot of situations. There's certainly been situations where I've been called in to, you know, put out fires. Um, I, I, wouldn't say that I encountered like, you know, the, the remnants of outright fraud there might, you know, there are people out there who just aren't, they're not on the level. Um, right. and, and, and a lot of the, the sort of gate gatekeepers and in, in certain situations don't know the difference. Um, because, you know, at, at, on some level, they, they literally aren't educated about each of the roles that we play. Um, and, uh, and, and consequently, whether intentionally or not, they, they devalue whatever the specific skill is, because you say you're this, well, w- one version of this, let's say a director, an editor, whatever, is as good as this other version. Mm. And in fact, you know, everybody's skill set is wildly different, their experience, their talent, their taste level. Um, so yeah, I mean I've definitely had to to sort of take over a couple of things over the years, but not many. I mean, you know, for better or for worse, there's there are a lot of really capable people um in in this market. So it doesn't, doesn't happen a lot. Is it word of
2: mouth that allows you to differentiate value? Like you mentioned, like so there's like all directors aren't the same, right? So let's say, you know, director A costs you know 50 percent of what you cost right but the yeah. director also is not near 50 percent the quality or have the experience that you do like do you encounter that where people are like hey well your your cost is this but hey you know i could get this other director to do it and it cost me this much like what's the what's the way that you know a filmmaker like yourself can can stand up for your value is my point that's the question
4: yeah it's i mean it's tricky i think i think um you know saving a buck is endemic certainly to the advertising industry and i think it's only gotten more extreme over the years um but first let me say i've never replaced anybody as a director i definitely have as an editor on Mm -hmm. on you know a couple things over the years Mm -hmm. um but i i mean i remember you know having somebody tell me back like this was like when i was like a relatively new editor but i was still on the level um and you know somebody wanted to pay me you know like an insulting amount of money to do a job and and i was like well it's going to cost you triple that if you want me to do it you know and they said but my 18 year old nephew (laughs) (laughs) knows knows final cut or video editing or whatever and i was like cool they should cut that Mercedes commercial. That's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. Um, today it might not be that bad of an idea, but then it was a really silly idea. Um, and in terms of directors, I think, I mean, I think that happens a lot. I think that there's a lot of undercutting and I think in a lot of cases now that everything has moved to social and that there's sort of a, like a UGC user user generated content aesthetic Mm -hmm. that that's, that's prevalent. Um, people are probably fine paying half for getting less than half the quality a lot of the time wow. because they just you, they just need a churn they just need content so um, so directors are going to maybe chase that number i mean ideally not but i think in some cases you know you got to eat so no. um, ideally you 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 develop the kind of reel and you have the kind of team where they're like insulating you from bad opportunities yeah, but you know in lean times for sure i mean i've had friends who are further up the totem, totem pole than i am and, and there's like a low budget but good creative type of project and my friends are really good but they're bidding against like the biggest names you can think of Right. because yeah. those guys a just want to work and b want to work on something cool so they and they can mm. afford to work for nothing because they've already been established and they're already you know making money. So, wow. um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, said, a, I think there's yeah. a race to the bottom in a lot of, in a lot of categories, but, you know, there's some people who still really value, um, yeah, a certain well, kind of quality. It,
1: it, it happened already in visual effects and, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, it's funny because Nick's question kind of went from quality to, to price. You see it with quality in screenwriting a lot, right? Like, okay, can you, come in and take this to the finish line for us. But from a price standpoint, that's you know, that's that's one of those where you're actually fighting the ease of like like the the skill set you might have developed over years is being learned by rapidly by software. <laughs> so the the kid with the app can do similar things without having to do the same climb. It's really interesting. Um, 2021, the best of 2021. Now we brought you here specifically to give us some, a sense of, you know, who would you like to shout out as uh, some someone we should look for in the directing field, you know, best director of 2021, but I'd love for you to give me anything that that you thought was sort of noteworthy and and Nick and I, I should say, that's noteworthy in 2021 that people should check out. And we definitely want to get your best film that you saw in 2021, indie or not.
4: Okay. Um, Full confession, I haven't, I mean, I've seen, thanks in parts of sort of Omicron, coinciding with awards season and all that. I have not been in the theater as much as I had tended to be in the theater. And I really don't like watching things that are available on Netflix just because they are on available on Netflix. Yeah. Jane Campion directs a movie. I want to see that movie in the theater on the biggest screen that I can. That's how that is. Yeah. So I haven't seen power of the dog, for example, I haven't mm-hmm. seen The hero. I haven't seen lost daughter. I haven't seen come on, come on. Um, there's a ton of stuff I haven't seen. Um, before I even shout out a movie I need to shout out underground railroad because um, that is a masterpiece and uh, not enough people are talking about it um, and I can use Joel Edgerton who's amazing in that to segue into the first of three movies I want to mention that I did see in 2021 um, which would be Green Knight because he's also in Green Night and Green mm-hmm. Knight was just fantastic and um, you know, every department I would say, you know, gets an A. Plus. Um, and that's rare in a movie. I think it was a really special movie. And it was the first special movie that I saw in 2021. I thought it was fantastic um, on so many levels. Um, just really wonderful. Um, another one to shout out would be Titan, or as we in America would say, Titan. Um, which was, which is just a a mind bender face melter, incredible experience. Probably, probably the craziest experience I've had in a movie theater in a decade or two. Like it's just, it's, 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 it's a singular experience. And, um, when I can't, can't say exactly, uh, you know, what it amounts to. Um, but, but, the, the, the amount of feeling that I got from it and the, and the amount of sort of sorting and wondering and fantasizing that my brain had to do while in that movie was was pretty priceless. Um, so that's, that's a really special one. And then the third is one I mentioned a little earlier, um, Red Rocket by Sean Baker. Um, that was amazingly shot during the pandemic, um, tiny, tiny crew. But it's it's like the Lawrence of Arabia of scrappy <laughs> indie films. Um, it's just really um, incredible. And honorable mention, which is a funky thing to say about this movie, because it's also like an actually incredible movie. Licorice Pizza. Oh yeah, but it's Paul Thomas Anderson, you know. So of course it's gonna. It's like it's like the guy who. Runs your favorite restaurant, opens up another restaurant. I expect <laughs> it to be very good. It's very good. It was. Everyone should see it. Um, but those other movies really stood out to me as the non-obvious uh, choices. Um, and and I want to show out the thro- shout throw out shout out whatever mm-hmm. another to um, the scary of sixty first, um, which is Dasha. Dasha's movie. Dasha from Red Scare. She mm-hmm. made uh, a tiny uh, little horror movie about Jeffrey Epstein, and um, and uh, it's pretty fantastic. I'm only halfway through, which is why I can't fully shout it out. But um, it's it's uh, it's great. Also very scrappy and feisty and smart and cool. Uh,
1: well you gave a, you gave me quite a list. I've seen one movie on your list. So, but the list you haven't seen, I've seen all of them. So I think that yeah, is, right. <laughs> I mean, I the, grass, that's really the grass funny. is
4: always cleaner. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But um, this, is, this is an incredible list. And I never thought that we'd have two Epstein related commentaries in this short chat. Um, before you jump off, anybody for director? Anybody come to mind? best directing job in 2021.
4: I mean, I got to go with Titan. It's it's just it's just it pushes every boundary. I mean, there's nothing I would say nothing and everything is sacred about that movie and and it is it is fearless. So, Julia do Carnot definitely for me gets it? Um, although that takes nothing away from the other directors whose, whose films I mentioned because they're all like honestly visionary works.
1: That's beautiful, man. I, I I love that, and it sounds like if you don't watch this in the theater, you kind of cheated yourself. Cheated? Yeah,
4: yeah. I would I would say that for for all of these. Although I've I've I know they did do a couple 35 mil prints for the scary of 61st. But um, yeah, you want to see licorice pizza in 70 millimeter if you can. Uh, Green night was spectacular on the big screen. Um, Andrew Joe's Palermo is, you know, one of these uh, truly gifted um, cinematographers. And I would say the same of Drew Daniels who shot red rocket. Um, and uh, Ruben Impens, I think shot, Tutan and you know it's like yeah go I mean go see every movie on the big screen if you can that is the name of the game
1: exactly and you know I, I love I love seeing incredible works of art but they also same thing happens to me when I listen to a great pianist I'm like I should just quit I should just stop working like there I can't like I don't know if I can get there you know so it,
4: it's always a double-edged sword. It's bittersweet with me. It's like, yeah, I, wish I, had a I, I hear that. I have that moment, but then I, it's like it's so freeing to me when, I, like you know, the assurance that I don't even have to worry about getting to that level. <laughs> don't worry, dude. It's not even a possibility. Yeah, Just work in your tiny way on on what you can manage as best you can, and and push that as far as we can go. Because, um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of great art out there, you know, and, and, and especially with films, we know like how many miracles have to happen to coincide from like the original germination of it all the way through the birth canal and onto the screen and at home from producing to marketing, the PR, like all of this, like everything, even aside from the actual filmmaking. So I don't know. You know, piano, I guess you're screwed. You
1: really <laughs> all, the, all the great piano players I knew when I was a kid, they were uh, under threat of violence, made to practice three to five hours a day every day. So thank you, mom and dad, for uh, letting me have a childhood. and <laughs> right. The worst piano player for it. I'll live with that. Uh, <laughs> Robert. You're the freaking man. And I love the little piece of advice there at the end. That's perfect place for us to stop, man. Uh, again, Robert Broadhurst, incredible conversation on the Make It podcast. Go back, listen to it. It aired on 12621. You can find it on Apple Podcasts,
4: Spotify, wherever you listen to podcast. Robert, you're the best. Please don't be a stranger, man. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. And uh, Happy New Year. Go see movies. Yeah, man, for sure. It's good to Happy see you, brother. See ya. Right, man. Take, Take care. it easy. Right. <laughs> Take care,
1: man. That's awesome. He's incredible. He's incredible. I told you. He he's he just and he just came back from the movie. And I should have asked him what he watched, but I didn't watch. I didn't ask what he watched. Uh maybe it was Spider-Man and he didn't want to mention it. <laughs> but here <laughs> we are.
2: Here we oh, are. Wait, wait, wait. Who's this guy? Look at hey, this guy, you? man. Yeah. This, this, is, this is one of the sharpest <laughs> dudes in show biz right now, man. I need to get the the goat going. Look at this. You got the beard looking all lined up. Three lined up. You know. Yeah, man. Looking <laughs> sharp, brother. Yeah, because man, you know, especially if you don't have hair, you got to do something here, right?
5: right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just just saying, you know, but but I say, I, I might need a handle up then, my brother. And yeah, <laughs> <there you> go. <laughs> Yeah, but good to see I've you, been man. Telling,
1: I've been telling that for years, Tony. And by the way, before we uh, jump right into uh, uh, just like skipping past introductions, let me hit the rewind button and let the listeners know who we're talking to.
3: This
1: (laughs) is the one and only Tony Scott, and Tony joined us on the podcast actually in 2020, so now a 2021 guest, uh, but we didn't think that mattered because he's an expert in his field. He knows what the hell he's talking about. That's right. right. So go back, listen to our conversation. It was an incredible chat. It happened on October 20th of 2020. That's when it published. Go back and listen to that. Apple Podcast, Spotify. Tony,
5: what hey. has been happening, man? What's uh, what's new in your world? Well, you know, as you might imagine, COVID has been a little bit of an issue with a little COVID, bit as much of, as any other people in the film business. And I think last time we talked, we thought we had our film higher. What was called together that then now called Higher Love. We have Dan Glover and Jane Seymour and Stacy Keach and Lynn Whitfield, all as, as the top, as the four lead characters in the story. And, you know, we thought we had it fully financed. We were going to be going into production in uh, the summer. And then our financiers, who are produ- producer who was doing the financing of this from the UK, their financiers were from India and Delta happened in India. Mm. And whoosh, all that yep. money just came right back. So you know we had to postpone indefinitely and we're back in the hunt for the financing for this. So it's kind of interesting that we should be talking about independent production companies and distributors and so on tonight. so yeah it's, it is. A, it's, a, real, it's a really interesting change in the world these days. So we've been following
1: along with with your film and just like tracking it and saying, okay, we want to make sure, like this is happening, okay. This is moving forward. We're excited to see what happens with it, and um, like we said, the night of, the, of our conversation uh, a year a year ago, uh, a little bit over a year ago, we'd still love to work with you and see what happens with that. So,
5: absolutely, um, we great had to find a kind
1: of creative yeah. way to to make that happen.
5: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And you know, the great news is that everybody that reads the script loves it. And they think it's a story that's a great, positive story that is uplifting and, you know, it it touches all the right notes and it it hits audiences that aren't really served very well in terms of older audiences. So that's great. Now, the negative on that is because it serves older audiences, there's a real question is, are those audiences going to go back to the theater ever again? And also there's the issue just in terms of the way film finance works, which you guys know. A Lot of it is predicated on foreign on pre-sales. And mm-hmm. very few actors over the age of 60 are quote unquote bankable enough to be able to fill, you know, to actually finance a movie. And we're not gonna get Denzel to do the movie, as much as I would love to work with Denzel. That's right. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. Okay. So it's uh you know, I have to also be realistic about about those things. and So the model of financing is really changing in the indie film world and needs to change more. Because the reality is most films that are made that are indie today are not gonna have theatrical releases. That's they, right. it's, it's, they're, gonna have, they're gonna go to streamers, or may have a limited theatrical release. And just, just before this, because you told me what you wanted to kind of talk about tonight, and I said, well, what were my favorite indie movies of this last year? yeah i made a list just ones that i thought of so coda which i loved loved, loved. okay apple was the distributor they bought it at sundance for 25 million that movie was not a cheap movie to make though but they they certainly you know the producers did okay on that um look you know you guys are probably seeing the harder they fall i had some issues with the movie i thought it was a little bit excessively violent for no reason at times but the but it was a good movie. and It was a fun new spin on the classic western genre. Yeah, uh, again, cool. Netflix is distributor. Power of the Dog. Jane Campion. Come on, you've been that's to Cumberbatch. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, again, Netflix. Uh, Summer of Soul. This is one of the only ones on my list. It's not a streamer, and that was one that was distributed by Searchlight. By the way, if you haven't seen Summer of Soul, I highly recommend it to anybody that's interested in in music from that era. Uh, it was definitely like the Blackwood stock. It was really cool. And Questlove did a great job cutting together all this footage. Very, very cool stuff. U.S. versus Billie Holiday. Here's a movie that Lee Daniels made, okay? Lee Daniels is the director. His production company financed it. Now, if a guy like that can't get theatrical distribution, then who who can right? right. And yeah. that Hulu, Hulu distributed. Now, admittedly... It was. It's a story that not necessarily everybody knows about Billie Holiday. I mean, I do, but I mean, I'm, yep. a, I'm a musician. But at the same time, it, it starred somebody that wasn't a known actress, Andra Day, who did a fantastic job as far as I was concerned. I mean, it really knocked it out of the park. But, okay, still, Hulu. Um, and just last night, I watched Being the Ricardos, and mm-hmm. that was produced and distributed by, by Amazon. And that's an Aaron Sorkin you know, writer-director deal. So, you know, the thing is, things are just not taking the, the traditional path. You know, Neon and A24 used to do a lot of these kind of movies. But if yeah. you look at this, you know, Neon did Spencer and that's Pablo Lorraine as the director. They, I think that cost like $18 million and they maybe made $11 million so far at the box office. Yeah. Kig, you know, it was a, you know, they probably haven't made back... Nicholas Cage's feet yet. Uh, so they've gotten about three and a half, three, $3.6 million in the box office. I mean, a quirky story for sure. But, you know, again, it had a pretty well-known actor who gets into all sorts of weird, weird movies all the time. You know, he'll do anything if they yeah. paint, right? But that, <laughs> one, but that one was a good one from that perspective. Okay. So those are the only couple of sort of real indie kind of movies other than now the tragedy of Macbeth. And it's just come out, and here you got, you know, Academy Award winner Denzel Washington, Academy Award winning, uh, you know, actress, Academy Award winning director. I mean, come on, and you know that one is done by A24, and they are the production company and distributor on it. So That's one a of the Gene old Cohen comics. movie too, and yeah, exactly. The director is you know, come on, it's a Cohen you know movie. Now it's one half of the Cohen brothers. one half, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's okay,
1: you
2: know, he, he got his
1: wife in it, so there, this, is all, this is all But your point is well made because I left, you know, I left um, Spider-Man recently. I went and watched it with my youngest daughter. And the engagement of the kids in that theater was unbelievable. Yeah. Like they were screaming. There was a kid to the right of me that I just had to keep looking at because I wasn't sure what he would do next. <laughs> and it reminded me, yeah, it reminded me of being uh, in the premiere of Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, That was nuts. And the theater engagement and Passion of the Christ was unbelievable as well. Yes. And I left there, and honest thought, first thought in my head was, should I buy AMC stock? Like, I, I know that I can't get this at home. I know I can't and is that worth something or is really the case that the Aaron Sorkins and the Joel Coens and, you know, of the world, they're, they're, they're bypassing the theater, not because they have to, like, they're not being Christopher Nolan on it. They're saying let's just go ahead and get in front of it. Mm -hmm. The money is, has, has chased, you know, all the way to streamer. Then,
5: We'll just go and follow the money to
1: to the streamers,
5: yeah. And and I think that that's a that's a change. And by the way, I think a lot of people are looking at what you're saying too, like Spider-Man. Other you don't get the same kind of engagement of being in a theater with other people that are really engaged in the movie. But there are only so many of those movies that come out every yeah. year. Yeah. And is right. that enough to fill all the theaters, all the screens that we have? I don't think so. Um, and I think that's going to be a hard thing because then we have the, the flea on the end of the tail of the movie industry is actually wagging the entire dog saying we need to have butts in the seats, which I totally understand. That's their business. They got to do it. Which means that the big studios are only going to be trying to focus more and more on these big popcorn kind of movies, if you would. Yeah. You mentioned Spencer.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Spencer. Did you watch it? No, I have not yet. Okay. I, I'm not going to spoil anything. Nick, have you seen it? Did you see Spencer? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay.
2: Yeah, no spoilers, dude. No spoilers. I'm not going to spoil
1: it. It's just <laughs> one of these movies where everything is done at the highest level you can do it. I bet, yeah. It is visually stunning. It is well acted. Mm-hmm. The cinematography is incredible. Uh, the edit, I mean, the editing's like a language, you know, it's, the score is um, is singular. And it's going to stick with you. It drives the movie. In the movie, just for me, it was like a boring great movie.
5: Yeah. <laughs> and see, I can watch boring great movies at home all day long. There you go. I, mean, I can yeah. watch boring. I can watch boring bad movies even more at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And and the thing is. You said, "Am I going to?" You said earlier about going to Spider Man. Am I going to catch that at home? Yeah, well, maybe not. But you're not going to catch COVID at home. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, this is the this is the calculus that people are uh, putting in, and they're saying, "And am I going to catch having to pay, you know, fifteen bucks a, for a ticket, and plus the really crappy snacks and stuff that I'm going to get, and the time and effort to do that? Is it worth it to, yeah. to do that?
2: And it's got to be something that's really worth it." So it's got to be an an experience. experience. Yeah, that's it. And that's what Spider-Man was, right? It's about that engagement you're having, not only with your own family, but with the other people that are in the room, right? If it's an experience, you'll pay for the experience. But otherwise, you know, I kind of, it's funny if you think about, talking about streaming versus theater, I was just thinking like, I remember you know, several years ago, I think my wife was asking me about like, you know, fried green tomatoes. Yeah. Right. And and we had, you know, you got to be, it was like several years ago, we had a Blu-ray player. Right. And it's like, she's like, well, let's get fried green tomatoes on Blu-ray. I'm like, why? We have it on VHS. <laughs> right Like I don't need to see fried green tomatoes on Blu-ray. Like you just I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Like I'm good. It's just, it's yeah. not about In the HD. visuals. I don't need to see HD fried green tomatoes. Like I'm good. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you're right. And I feel like that's the same thing now. It's like, What do I need to see in the theater versus what's okay just watching at home? And I think we've kind of settled on that where it's like, yeah, if it's not a blockbuster, if there's not an experience, then home is good enough. Yeah.
5: I I think that's a big change for this last year for 2021, because in 2020, people were saying, yeah, but as soon as this dies down, people go, will flock back to the theaters. I don't know, man. I don't, I think that, you know, now we've had enough of a period of time where, you know, the consumer behavior has changed fundamentally. And, and by the way, you know, I've got a nice TV at home. It's not a, you know, UH. it's not like a, you know, OLED display TV, but it's, you know, it's like what most people have. It's 4K TV, you know, flat screen, got a decent sound system with it. And I watched oh. Being the Ricardos last night and it's beautiful, okay? Beautifully shot, the production design and, you know, and costume are absolutely right on. And you know, it's like, okay, I can enjoy this just as much half lying on my couch having my glass of wine as I could go into the movie theater and maybe more so because I don't yeah, know man. somebody yeah. else, you know, <laughs> on their phone in front of me over in the corner of my eye that's like distracting me from the screen or
2: people talking all through that.
5: Who's Lucy? You <laughs> know,
2: <laughs> Yeah, for me, like up here, you know, it's a family a family of four is about 55 to 60 bucks to go to a movie. Like LA, it's probably closer to 100. You See, and, that's what, and, that, and I, I haven't even added food in yet. That's okay, just yeah, the yeah, ticket. yeah. No, Tickets alone. Right? No drinks, and no popcorn. I'm club. like, I'm gonna yeah. pop you some popcorn in the theater, son. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, that's how it's gonna be. But <laughs> yeah, like- I'm gonna put the kitty Pop on, guys. You mean your exactly. home theater. You mean your home theater. Home theater. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's expensive. And you talk about people's, you know, uh, consumer habits are changing, man. So, you know, you know, Chris and I have, you know, executive produced a couple of films. Right. And I remember, you know, we, we told friends, we told family, we told coworkers, man, I had this. I'll call him a friend for the purposes of this conversation. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend of mine. Like a Facebook friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm let it there. That's about good enough for what I'm about to tell you, right? So this friend of mine says, "Hey Nick, what was the name of that movie again that you guys did?" And he he rattled off the name. He's like, "That's the that's the movie, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh great, I'm gonna watch it now." I was like, man, that movie came out like three years ago. I was like, well, why are you gonna watch it now? He's like, because it's on Tubi for free. Yeah. I went, wait, wait, wait. You're my friend. Like, come on, man. You're supposed to pay for this. Like rent it for three (laughs) dollars? Exactly. For three. You're my friend. Like, you're supposed to pay because you're supporting and it's four dollars. It's not anything. And he told me he waited. Because now it's free on Tubi. I was like, yeah, man, I think about it.
5: You know, and that's and that's your friend, right? But every, yeah. if anything that comes <laughs> comes up. You look at Facebook when they're you know people making comments about a new movie going to come. They'll say, oh, when's it going to be streaming? That's like you see the same question over and over and over. Exactly. Where can I stream it? When can I stream it? And it's like I'll wait till it comes out on Netflix, whatever. Okay, thanks y'all for supporting the arts. But uh, right. this is why you get the kind of crap that you complain about all the time, too. There uh-huh. you go. But, you know, you get what you pay for, guys. And, and I, uh, uh, you know, people, you know, that. but that's a change. And we as filmmakers are going to have to really adjust to that new environment and figure out, and financiers are going to have to figure out new ways to make sure that they can invest in movies which still can have a great return. I mean, a fantastic return to investors. But we need to find a way to do it that is mitigating their risk as foreign pre-sales used to um, with the new environment of the streaming environment. So, yeah, I I think, I think the answer is still IP,
1: but, you know, can you build a world around something that isn't a, a superhero? And I think that also, you know, anytime you see you're in a place like we're at now in society, this inflection point where things should go one way or the other, there are, there's a, there's a space in between where folks that, you know, have a lot of innovation can, can change the world right in that, right in that space. Right. And I'm waiting to see if that happens, like, you know, who is going to be for lack of uh, another example, the Elon Musk of a film, you know, a theater with incredible HEPA filters, (laughs) A, (laughs) a, a theater that is a VR uh a goggle.
5: Yeah. You don't
1: wear VR garg- goggles in there. The theater is a VR goggle. Yeah. Um, smaller micro theater, smaller spaces that are easier to manage, theaters that ha- that have um that is a that has a three-star Michelin restaurant attached to it. Yeah. Um who's gonna innovate in the space and take advantage of the inefficiency of these large big box theaters whose real business is real estate. Yeah. And they just have to figure out, you know, capacity, their capacity issue. They, they, are trying to say, well, we need, we need 19 year old boys to come in here, and because they don't care about their health, and they're going to eat a lot of concessions, and they're going mm-hmm. to the get out of the house. They're going to get out of the house because they're going to follow these these soap operas that we call Marvel yeah. movies and DC movies. But way before COVID, anybody that had kids could see their kids were like starting to shrink inward and watch all their content on their phone ipad yeah. or anyway so that was kind of already happening so they're saying well what will get them out of the house now but there's a space in between where you can get everybody else but you just got to get them a better experience to next point um before you leave us yeah sure did you have a distribution company
5: or production company of the year oh uh, th- those are the ones i actually think it's the streamers I think that's the way my answer actually is it's Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Those are our production companies, distributors of the year. That's because that's really where they're going completely. I mean, if you look at the traditional guys that used to play in the space, you know, Neon A24, I mean, they're not nearly playing as much as they used to because it's hard to make it work financially. I think Um, Neon did Card
1: Counter as well. Uh, I don't thing, remember. Maybe, yeah. thing. But they had a ton of partners on that.
5: Yeah, yeah maybe I mean, that's
1: one of the strategies too. Is like, let's just bring in, let's bring in eight different financiers. Yeah, which of course means you have
5: sixteen different problems. But that's, right, uh, you do. <laughs> and then you, and you're like, you're counting more. More likely, sixty-four. It's like you know, eight squared. You know. But yeah, the, you're right.
1: Like, it feels like you're gonna you're gonna do eight. You're gonna spread the risk. And then you're going to get one of these companies that does software-based payroll and in, in accounting instead of hiring a Cama accountant yeah. and paying them 1%. And you're going to let that software handle the complexity because there'll be some Silicon Valley founder that's going to be on the hook if their software doesn't work.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's all really possible and, and, and doable. But I, still what it does, it may spread the risk around, but it doesn't actually mitigate the risk in the same way that financiers that have become accustomed to lending, you know, basically financing against tax credits and foreign presales. Because mm-hmm. that's right now foreign presales are more or less gone. And very few indie movies are gonna get a, a, a minimum guarantee from a US distributor, which is what financiers used to look at: say, like, okay, well, I got the tax credits, I got the foreign presales. And you know, mm-hmm. if I got it, if they have those the two, if those two eat up, make, make up about 70 percent um, of the budget of the movie, then that's a pretty low risk, relatively lower risk project. The most yeah, I have yeah. to lose is 30 percent of my investment. And you know, I figure as long as the movie can get made at all, we'll probably get that much back
4: because yeah. we're gonna,
5: you know, so I think that I think that's the real problem if we've lost. This whole con, this whole value of, of foreign pre-sales and minimum guarantees in the indie movie space. So, which also sort of pushes people more towards, oh, let's do these big, big things because the bigger it is, actually, the more we can mitigate our risk in some ways.
1: Yeah, we we preach that. Like, there's um, there's a thing here in in Tennessee where it's like, how much is your movie? Oh, let me guess two hundred thousand dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Two fifty, because yeah. that's the the limit where you start to get your rebate back, Yeah. or you get some rebate dollars. And it's like, how much does the movie actually cost? Maybe it should be two to five million because yeah. I think you'll make your money back. You'll have a greater chance at two to five million than at two hundred
5: fifty thousand. Absolutely, you're gonna have a greater chance of getting a better distribution deal and having. I mean, getting better actors, getting better—you know—spending more money on equipment, stuff that's going to go up on the screen. Okay, yep. and you know that's the thing. And so, you know, I when I first started doing this—you know—movie, the the Higher Love movie. I mean, I was trying to basically keep it. How can I keep it as the budget as low as possible and get as much of that onto the screen in terms of quality acting and you know things that are, look great? So, spend the money on anamorphic lenses to rent. Don't don't do it on sphericals, you know, because sure, I like the way it makes people look and especially this is a movie that's going to have a lot of, you know, two people talking to one another and they're older people want to make them look as great as possible. Yeah. So, you know, having people that know how to how to do that is what's going to make a difference in the movie. Um, but then, you know, if I started off with, oh, let's see if we can get, you know, Samuel L. Jackson to come and play, play the role. Yeah, I mean, not that he's necessarily right for it because I don't have any motherfuckers in, throughout. <laughs> <laughs> I, I change it, but <laughs> it'd be a little different movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just a little bit. But, you know, the if you do that, then all of a sudden you have something that at least foreign distributors can say, oh, well, I, I'd buy that movie. You know? right. So, you know, and I, I thought about at one point about uh, earlier about uh, Sharon Stone because she's big in France still and so you, know, know, you know, so you you know, you know get one or two but you don't
2: check them all right? So right. let's go get Jean-Claude man, get Jean-Claude <laughs> There you go, there you go get
5: <laughs> and Jean-Claude and, and Bruce Willis That's right and Steven Jean,
3: Seagal Jean-Claude, you know, Jean-Claude man, damn
1: <laughs> yeah. Steven Seagal and Sharon Stone
2: they're Oh and another friends. one that you could potentially get that you know people don't think of Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah, Mike. I heard Mike is good. That's right. So get Mike just to do a little little cameo, put him on the front. <laughs> might be good to go. <laughs> people might, yeah. It, have to have him work good. on his voice a
5: little bit. Don't tell him I said that, okay?
2: You're
1: right. No, I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> the crazy thing is it's just the timing. It's yeah. just the timing. What surprises people? You know, like – Mike Tyson's that whole thing started with the hangover movies and just yep. the general surprise that that was the choice for a cameo early early in the basically the first turnaround in the film yep. and the rest is he's doing a one man play now and he's doing all these things. So that all just came from a good cameo that was well-timed where we weren't as an audience thinking about Mike Tyson anymore. No, no It was
5: just like a shock when you saw. Like, yeah,
1: Exactly. Yeah, and you got them in the right role, doing the right thing. And that's the nuanced stuff that you're talking about, Tony, where it's like, how do I make these guys look good? What are the lenses? What's the timing? How creative can we get here? Because the thing that we don't talk about enough is, is all that stuff being said about, you know, trying to make up the the cost of the film. You also want to spend a little bit more on your film because at the end of the day, It's got your name attached to it forever, forever. Yeah, you want to be proud of it.
5: Yeah, I don't want to ever put out something that's block. Okay, that doesn't look good. That you know, people people are not going to like it. Some people, some people are going to love it. That's okay. That's the you know that's why we have horse races. You know, thank God people have different pieces of taste. Otherwise, we'd be watching the same movie all the same all the time. Yeah. But you know that's that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely making sure you do a quality job. The best you can do with the budget you have and trying to make sure as much of that budget gets up on the screen, yeah. um, and which is really critical because that's what people are going to judge you on. I mean, does it? I mean, I think about being the Ricardo's. Yeah, I know they pay, had to pay Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem a ton of money. And I'm sure Aaron Sorkin made a ton of money, but it looked great. Okay, be, you know, I could I totally was absorbed into it was saying this looks like 1950s LA uh, production you know that's going on in a studio I, I totally totally go for it and you know, all right that's so you need to make sure that as as a filmmaker that you're able to one tell a great story it all starts with a story and then number two make sure you're able to tell that story also visually in a way it's gonna be appealing to people to watch whether that's appealing in the way because it's going to scare you to death. Or it's a feeling because you can make you fall in love with the people that are on the screen. Whatever that is. Well, I love
1: it, man. Thank you so much. What a great place to end. The wisdom of Tony Scott. Tony, don't be a stranger. Thank you for giving us your <laughs> uh, Guys, years. always happy to
5: talk to you and, and talk to your audience. I mean, love it very much. You guys are doing great work. I really like all the stuff you guys are doing. And so I, I do hope we can work figure out a way to work together sometime.
2: Awesome Hello. man, we appreciate good. you. Thank
1: you so much. It means the world coming from you, man. Talk to you yeah, soon. Be safe, sure. guys. Appreciate it. it. Keep fighting the All good right, fight. Man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, enjoyed that very, very much. Um, Tony's a smart guy, you know. He is. Like he's he just, is worldly he's just too. Quietly, you know, humbly. Hey. Going about his way and doing the detailed thing. Wait! Oh! 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 oh. I, I hear somebody. Look who we wait! Have wait! With wait! Us wait! Right wait.
2: Before, before, before we introduce and do all that, I have to do it. <laughs> 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 so, Chris, I don't know if you saw it, but right there on Valerie's Zoom, you can see it. <laughs> Evil, Evil laugh. laugh. Yeah, I just had to I do it. it. It was queued up. I was queued up. How did you come up
1: with that with that Zoom name? Did you just do that tonight, like on the spot, or is that your? No, no
3: that that's the name of my cell phone. So I'm doing this on my phone, not on my laptop. So I just that's what I (laughs) named my phone.
2: That's perfect. I love
1: it. It fits your personality (laughs) too, like to a a freaking tee. I'm I'm so (laughs) glad you're able to join. I told Nick before we started uh, recording this lovely podcast that we had to bring Valerie on for a few minutes because she consumes so many books. You are such a voracious reader of books that she's going to have opinions on the best things of 2021 and it's just going to be like flowing out of her. She'll have to really like focus in to think of which one she'll pick. That's my guess. Is that fair to say? Is that true?
3: Yeah, yeah. For the for the Christmas holiday, I went to my library and I, I I requested like fifty books, but I didn't organize my holds requests, so I got like twenty books at once. And I've been literally reading a book a day. I'm not exaggerating.
2: Wow, you're awesome! I love it. <laughs> I told you,
1: dude. She's yeah, no, dude. Okay, um, let's let's give like the the former the formal introduction here. We are being blessed and graced by Valerie Barnhart. She is an animator extraordinaire and she joined us on a podcast. One of the first guests of 2021 Yep. on. So if you go back to February 2nd, 2021, you can listen to our incredible wide ranging conversation. Uh, Valerie breaks down a ton of things and hits us with motivation in that episode. I love that conversation Val, because You basically, your message to to people was, you can do it, you can figure it out. And if you're not figuring it out, there's something there because, yeah, it might take you three years, but you have to start somewhere. And there's nothing to it but to do it. Like you can't let money be the reason why you never get started.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And remind me again, like how much... I can't, I, I can't remember the number you gave. It was, like, an extremely low number that you made your short film score.
3: Oh, a 1,000 Canadians. So, like, the exchange rate, that's, like, 700 and change U.S.
2: Yeah, yeah. and it's so, a beautiful short. Like, we got to put that out there. Like, it's awesome. Like, that's not... A, like, 700 is huge for what you did. Like, we're super impressed. I I don't know how many people I've told about it. I'm just, like, spreading the word, like, wildfire.
4: Thank you! Oh, I'm all on it. I trust? it.
2: Oh yeah.
1: The only people, and this is full disclosure, Val. The only people I would not show the film to is mothers. I, all right, I, that's fair. I I have done it. You I've showed it to it. A mom.
2: I, I did because the and thing what is, happened? it's like. Well, it's it's just you know it's heart wrenching though, but at the same so, time, as a parent, right. So mother or father, mm-hmm. it it feels like it just brings you closer to your children. Like if you have that good relationship with your children, it makes you want to hug them tighter. Right. That's the thing. Like That's, that's what it was for me. It was just and that's why I would tell mothers about it. It's like, listen to the story and their heart bleeds for them. But again, at the same time, it's like, that's why I keep my kids close. Yeah. Right. That's why you hold them tight. Like, that's why. And it's just, it was an amazing thing. And now, now, here's the deal. Like, I know, you know, we're gushing over this one, right? But I know that since then, I, was that 20, I want to say 2017, 2018 timeframe? 20... Yeah,
3: 2019 was when it made its, its, its debut. debut.
2: But you've had another film as well, right? In, in twenty nineteen. It's in the works okay so before we get into some of the best like what's what's going on with that I want to know um, about that one. well
3: Absolutely. it's it will to continue the success story right like when you have a successful short go through the festival circuit you can leverage that in order to get your next film made yep. so by doing that I'm now with the National Film Board of Canada with like a fully funded like it's insane like to be in a position where, it's not a matter of how do I save money on my budget. Is now we have a budget, so we have to now spend the money.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> incredible. Different. You but flip, right? It's
3: 100%. 100%. It's a completely different vibe. So, so I told my producer that, like, she's in a magical position where everything is just like a lottery to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. look at that! <laughs> oh, look at that!
1: Oh! What's your producer's name? Who are you working with?
3: Uh, Yelena Popovich. Say it again. Yelena Popovich.
1: Got it. You got yeah. it. And tell everybody what part of Canada you're in. I'm
3: in. Ottawa, so the capital. It's a really boring city, uh, <laughs> nestled between Montreal and Toronto.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So, still, so I still, so still want to go. So yeah, for real, me up out, out of it.
2: I'm, <laughs> yeah.
1: And by the way, uh, for those listening, just to throw this in, Nick, if you want to go see Valerie's short film that she made in nineteen, it's called "A Girl in the Hallway." You can watch it. Where Valerie? On Vimeo. Okay, so Vimeo, go check it out. That way, you can see if you agree with us or disagree with us. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised and very excited for what Valerie has coming up next. Sorry, Nick, I cut you off. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, so we saw what we saw, right? Which was, you know, the results of the process of the learning, right? That you 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 taught yourself and you taught yourself with what you had. You know, you made this film based off of the resources that were available to you. And as you just mentioned, they were limited, but now you're in a different position. So how does this new project change? Like, Are you doing something vastly different? Are you expanding upon what you've done? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, she's like, "Oh no, I'm changing the game now. I got me some money, and resources.
3: It's It's a different form of animation, which I have to learn. It's it's now I'm I'm working with people, so I have to actually direct people and direct Mm. technicians, which is a very different experience when you're like completely by yourself and you really." Only yourself to answer to, like, you know, like having executives and like producers and like other people I have to answer to you, which is a different experience. Um, yeah, everything about it. Like, I can't make this film by myself. Okay. Right? Like, and that scares me because before I was like, I knew how to do everything. And now I have less control.
1: <laughs> so if you're spending your time like learning this new form of animation, Do you feel like you need to spend any time or like, do you have a plan for learning sort of how to run a set?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's similar to running like any, any like directing is directing is the same job. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether I'm doing live action or animation. So, like, instead of the cinematographer, I, I'm doing the layout. So, it's the same idea. So, no. instead of like, I still have to talk to an editor and we're still going back and forth editing. Like, you know, uh, the cinematographer would also be kind of like the storyboard artist. So, like, I'm dealing with storyboard artists. Like, I'm dealing with technicians, like other animators. And, you know, like, I'll be like, okay, animate this. And then they do it. And then they're like, no, 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 more like this. <laughs> <laughs> like no. you know i'm well. like just go back and forth and adjust and um yeah it's i'm enjoying the process like i i really am it's 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 completely different like they weren't joking when they said every film is completely different from your other films like it's it's a very different vibe and same with the the topic it's not so emotionally charged so i find mm. it a lot easier and again, more fun, because I'm trying to crack jokes, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 that's nice. Yeah, because there's no joking in the other one. So this no. one, huge departure, new stuff, new exciting, you know, cast, crew, everything about it is different. So that's awesome. There's a yeah. filmmaker out in L.A. named Terry Jingles, and he is working on
1: an a animated film. Might be live action. I, can't, I, I don't know. But he was saying coming from the feature space, that he got taught some really important lessons because he said with with animation, you act, the process is backwards. Yeah. As compared to feature films. I thought that was really interesting. Um,
3: yeah, so like, like, for example, editing is done in pre-production. Y-
2: yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> like, this which makes
3: mean, sense yeah. animation is so hard and costs so much money we don't make mistakes so we plan it all out before we animate anything
1: that's what he learned he was, he was like the budget is like he's already 40 grand in or something like that he said yeah and and it was supposed to be like 20 like he didn't like the story's getting out of his hands now and he was the writer because he mistakenly approached it as a feature hmm and didn't approach it as an animation film, which, gotcha. yeah, it works back, just what Valerie said. Like, yeah, it's, but I love
2: that. She was like, no, we're animators. We don't make mistakes, not a thing we do. Cause like, it costs too much, <laughs> it costs too much to make. Yeah. She's exactly right. Yeah. Like you can't,
1: if you if you don't get that part right, it's so expensive, like to, to go back, especially if you're working with someone who has a fee, and and you're not like kind of the animator or like Terry doesn't know how to right. draw, yeah. you know. Like he's not doing that stuff. So and he doesn't know the software. Like it's it'll come out on, on our. Uh, we have a little content series Val that's going to come out soon. Like I think next Sunday called Mistakes in the Making, and okay. and he's going to have one of those. And that's where you'll get, you'll hear the entire story instead oh, of and my, I'm going like, to put a plug my like memory of it,
2: which is probably shitty. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I'm gonna plug you, it you, because you Valerie's gonna that. have to do it too. Like we're gonna oh. have to be, I'm telling you because the key here is just the idea behind mistakes in the making is like, what mistake did did you make during some process in filmmaking that turned out to be a blessing in disguise? Yeah. Right. Oh,
3: that 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 that's girl in the hallway.
2: See, I know. Don't, don't tell us. Don't, don't stop. tell We're us. We're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it separately. <laughs> exactly. Because everyone has that. Right, Everyone has that thing that they're like, man, I wish I didn't do that. But you know what? Doing that led me to this. Right. Or I made this mistake. Let's say it's in casting. I cast this person and they did the horrible job. But then it was like I realized that that was actually the character that was perfect for the story. Like, it wasn't what I envisioned, but what they brought to life was perfect for the screen. So, so yeah, don't, don't give it away because we're going to do mistakes in the making with you and it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> totally, totally, totally agree. So, 2021, best
1: of... Uh, we want to hear some of your thoughts on, like, who you thought gave the best performance of the year, what your best film you saw in 2021 was... But also, just how did maybe festivals? I know you. I think you went to a few of those virtually, maybe or or in person. So definitely want to hear that. But I think also, um, I just love to hear how twenty twenty one went for you. You being in Canada, like how was it?
3: awesome i got the green light
1: yeah (laughs) so that made the year for you for
3: a year and a half so when you sort of have the job and like you don't really and you don't know what's going on and they're like rewrite the scripts when you're getting it back from the execs like you don't like yeah yeah so i got the green light so i i've just been running since then (laughs)
1: that's awesome that's awesome remind us how the film industry is different in Canada than U.S. Is it similar to BBC?
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'd be more similar to like how things are. We'd be similar to, to you. Yeah. To Europe.
1: Got it. Man, I'm so excited. That's, that's beautiful. So what do you think? What was the best uh, performance you saw in a movie this year?
3: Oh, best stuff. Like, um, at Zola. Ooh. directed by Jan, uh, Zanika Bravo like that is such a well crafted film like uh, A24 released it um, yeah. it's a black female filmmaker and um, and it's just like the acting in it, like the storytelling, the writing, the cinematography, the lighting, the the color, like the costumes, like it's just everything about it was just so well crafted. It's such an overtop story. It's really entertaining, and it's just love it, love it. I I really am looking like I'm I'm definitely paying attention to this director. I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to her next film. So this is like her first feature. She did a lot of TV beforehand. So this is like her first feature, or so or second or something like that. So I really like that. Um, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, directed by Junta Yamaguchi, fucking brilliant, mm. man! It's <laughs> it's it's a one shot, one take film, like one take feature. Where it's like, it's, it's really unique, really interesting concept. I've never seen a film like this before, so it got me really excited. It's low budget, it's indie, it's Japanese, it's still doing the festival tour, so it's just starting to get into theaters now, like check your art house cinemas. Yep. Um, really, really worth it. And, and the premise is um, there's just people stuck in a two-minute time delay, and, and they're just in this time loop and it just time cycles back every two minutes. And it's just crazy how this <laughs> escalates <laughs> when you have oh, a wow. two, two minute time loop. Okay. I'm in. Um, <laughs> and then for shorts, wait for animated shorts, um, Hugo Coverbias. He's from Chile. I uh, did bestia, which is on the short list for the Oscars for animation short oh, wow. animation, it probably won't make it because it's dark and creepy, and that's not mm. an Oscar-bait kind of California animation vibe, but it is amazing! <laughs> and then I asked the most awkward question at the Q&A, and the guy was like... <laughs> 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 but, but, like, I love that film. It is really, really dark. I don't want to give it more away but dark, creepy animation. I have a soft spot for well, spell
1: and, it. Well, spell it for us.
3: Oh, okay. Well, it's like about this time in like a Chilean dictatorship, and it's about this like chick that's like works for the man. And oh the no! Don't like no. I novel. didn't say spoil <laughs> it.
1: I said spell it.
3: <laughs> spell the movie. How
1: is the it? Name, how the name the
3: title. Oh, he just okay. said spell he the said, title. Uh, B e s t i a.
2: Yeah, I've seen that. <clears throat> I've seen oh. that. I think. It, I think it went to a couple, of, like a lot of different festivals, didn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of the most interesting shorts, I think, for animation to come out. And then because I'm also an animator, I had to go with CryptoZoo. Mm. Um, that one is directed by Dash Shaw. And that is just a weird ass animated 90 minutes of just I don't know what I'm watching, but it's like yellow submarines <laughs> after trip and Jurassic Park all together <laughs> with like Deadly unicorns and like all these different cryptids, cryptids like kept in the zoo, and it's just really messed up. It's a really good movie, it's a good time. Um, mm. those are my favorites out of the, the year. Those,
1: awesome. I heard a physicist bring up the point about unicorns. I can't remember his name, but he said that you cannot deny, uh, the way the way that um, what's the word um, epistemology? The way it works is like you can't say that the unicorn doesn't exist because it doesn't fit into science. So because I can't disprove or prove, you can't say they don't exist. Like there could be a unicorn in a cave somewhere. No one knows.
3: That's so true. Because did you know that <laughs> that gorillas used to be cryptids? yeah white people didn't believe the locals when they said they saw gorillas in the wood in the mountains and and until that was confirmed they were cryptic yeah. so so <laughs> there there is some truth to some of these stories, like local stories, so oh, you're laughing to
2: myself because I'm just I'm just envisioning this guy walking into the wood ain't <laughs> <You> no <know>, gorillas <laughs> you know I'm gonna walk up again. <laughs> <laughs> get his fucking yeah, face he, ripped off exactly he, he made it out there with half a leg and was like oh there's gorillas <laughs> there are gorillas we, we told you bro Like,
1: <laughs> that's why like young people say "There's there were black people in Australia yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Were. <laughs> there were no there weren't no they, they would have taught I me that it. they would have taught right. me like, no yeah. they wouldn't have you know, no, yeah, they wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things we just we just don't know about. But a lot of, a unicorn is a proxy for a hundred, the Loch Ness Monster, um, God, like whatever you want to throw in there. It's not an argument you should get into or discuss you should get into where you're trying to win because it doesn't fit in to the world that physics has sort of laid out for us. Because it's you can't prove it or disprove it, and for it to be science, it has to be falsifiable. So I anyway, just well, I just saw, I just saw that in a
2: sprite. There. I just saw a sprite fly right behind you know Valerie <laughs> as we were talking. I just saw like it jumped out of one book and went into the other. <laughs> I'm telling you, I saw it. See now that's falsifiable because <laughs> right, I had some video. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: knows. Oh, I can, oh I can't prove that you didn't see it. Yeah, you can. not I can and prove Valerie, that I didn't know. see it in yeah. that anyone watching I saw. the video. But I can't yeah, I, I'm either.
3: saying nothing. I'm, right. I'm like, these worlds, these worlds that travel in, oh, oh. Exactly. Oh, these here. little
1: trinkets on, the, on your shelf. These, oh, these yeah. Pictures. She's got all sorts of good stuff back there. She's got all sorts of goodies. If we make it to Ottawa, then... Um, yeah,
2: we're going to have to crash at your place.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You're more than welcome to come.
2: That's awesome. Wait, so we got to, you know, we got to ask the, the question too. So we got the stuff about the films, yep. but we do have to ask about the books, right? I just, and I'm not going to go deep and have to, like, you, I'm never going to ask you your favorite, right? And I'm not going to do that. But just give us, like, one or two that you read and, you know, like one or two that you read today, you know?
3: (laughs) Oh, I read reading absolute trash today. Uh, Yeah. So, um, I'm almost done, but today's book is I was born for this and it's a discussion on fame. It's YA for teens. And it's a discussion on fame and idol worship and like like heroes, that kind of thing. Like try to have more in life and, and it features a trans um, character, which is really cool. So um, yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a trashy, like, you know, coming <laughs> of age teen thing, like nothing really, you know, it's not literature. It's a it's a beach read, you know? Right. Like usually yeah, books that yeah. have
1: like a lot of drama in them, right? Yeah, and, yeah, like a soap like, opera, set you know, scenes and stuff like that
3: yeah yeah. To so say, fun, right? yeah 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 um <laughs> books that i've read recently that i really really enjoyed um the year of the witching was really really good okay. and that has um it it was like the world building was phenomenal but it's like scary witches and we got this like scary like religion that kind of looks like christianity but it isn't and then you got like you don't know if it's like a cult in the woods or like if this is like like you know post apocalyptic future about like witches exist and like and like talking about like dismantling patriarchal systems like it's like the patriarchy and misogyny just got amped up like by ten <laughs> like in this society right. so it's like really scary like it's like, like
1: handsmaids too yeah Love
3: so it. so this. Yeah. So this, uh, so this main character has gone in and she's like kind of flirting with some witches and she's sort of like the the, the key to these curses that come onto this community that is really scary actually. <laughs> and, and it's like kind of like a cleansing of this community and she just had to go save it because of the children and I'm kind of like, this community kind of deserves it though. I'm kind <laughs> of like
1: the witches. I'm <laughs> <down. laughs> making a problem to myself this year to read more fiction yeah i've got a few sci-fi books back there um, behind me that are on cue because i've spent so much time the last two years reading non-fiction and what non-fiction does is it kind of like it tells you how things are per se maybe but it kind of fries you creatively over time a little bit like you need to read how stories flow and break down in fiction on a regular basis. You just need to read this. So I'm so glad you're mentioning these books.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, can't, I can I probably go on more about some of my favorites, like Lullaby for Criminals by um, Heather O'Neill. She's like an amazing writer. I like everything she writes. Um, another really good writer would be Erin Morgenstern. Um, she did the, uh, the, min, uh, the, min, the, Night Circus. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what it's called. Like if I can adapt anything and I had like Hollywood budget, like, you know, like a mm-hmm. zillion dollar budget and like, you know, A-list actors with like green screen and like, I mean, yeah, that's the movie that I would want to adapt like that one um
2: so with that in mind I wanted to dig in on that real quick so okay where do you feel like you get more of your or most of your motivation or inspiration for your creativity do you get it from other animators and other animation that you've seen or do you get it from this I I don't even know it's it's a laundry list it's like a you know can I use cavalcade of books that you get like it, where are you getting your inspiration from for what you do? A Is it the books? Of books? You know, and there
3: uh, you go. Yeah. <laughs> like I, honestly, like I read books. Like I research random ass stuff. Like right now, I'm researching like um, fairies and um, how they exist, like cross culturally, like a cross cultural reference to fairies, which they don't exist, in, in, like fairy abduction stories. So, like I'm, I'm thinking of writing a script for fairy abductions. Um, kind of like a play on alien abductions but they're fairies yeah. instead yeah so I um, yeah I just get these random ass ideas like I'll just it's, it, it's sort of like building up off of something else you know like be a conversation with like an interesting stranger or it could be just travel or it could be like a really good dinner <laughs> or like it would just be something as simple as like just going through my purse and then just like I just get this idea you know like it's it's like uh, just living life you know like like um like if you're gonna tell stories like i definitely like i watch a film every day like that's awesome yeah like i, I that's the fun part of my job like so i when i meet filmmakers that don't watch movies i'm like what What do you <laughs> right, don't watch movies? right. Like, like it doesn't make sense right like, so so i get it from everywhere honestly that's perfect living life
2: okay that's yeah living life and that's the inspiration for just creativity and your animation your expansion from one type of film to another i think one of the things that you mentioned earlier which i really liked was like when you point into the books you're like these worlds back here Mm -hmm. right like that's really cool to me this idea that it's not just stories right like it's a story within a world that's been built right by that creator. And I think that that's something that I'm sure we've already seen it in some of your work, but I'm sure we'll see it more, right? It's not just the story it's the world that you're building oh, in you which the story see exists. The
3: world building or my <clears throat> new one. See? <laughs> oh, see the World
2: Daily. <laughs> well, we got to see it like I, I was saying, know, like what's
3: time, it's, gotta... it's 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 I'm doing a retelling of Dante's Inferno, right? Oh,
2: Ooh,
1: I would that's I'm named after Dante. My middle so my middle name is Adonis Dante, I have two middle names. My mom and dad couldn't decide. So Adonis has got to love obviously Dante the writer. So this is exciting for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really exciting. Like going into, going to this. So it's a modern love story. Um, kind of like my commentary on what it's like to date in nowadays. So, so basically my main character is the world's ending and she's stuck in the elevator with her fuck boy ex-boyfriend. Yeah.
2: <laughs> i love it i love it it's like it, it's about dating and it takes place in hell <laughs> right. so accurate right, okay. right
1: there you go this is great so are you just promise us that you'll keep us like posted on how things are going and when we can watch it how we can support you in any way we can.
3: oh yeah 100 percent. animation just takes forever so so you won't see a movie for another year or two uh, we're really massively behind schedule.
1: all good. I'm, if I'm anything, I'm patient. Valerie. That's right. Anything, That's right. So it's all good. You're wonderful. You're all good. Thank you so much for your recommendations. I know the audience is going to love it and we miss you. Please stay in touch. And, uh, actually we'll reach out to you for mistakes in the making, like exactly. in the next couple of weeks for sure.
3: Okay, yeah. cool. I'll reflect on that. And I'm mainly going to be about failing in funding.
2: okay that's perfect exactly it's all good like we can use everyone can use the advice
3: no yeah
2: (laughs) it's all good that's perfect
3: well thank you for having me i really appreciate it
2: anytime
1: anytime and i know it's probably too late to say this but happy new year
3: happy new year to you Yep.
1: Here's I hope we
3: stayed home and stayed safe and didn't get COVID because everyone I know who left the house got COVID.
1: <laughs> well, we well. just came off the Omicron. Um, yeah, we were okay. Uh, okay. We still have a little bit of a cough here and there, but um, but we did all the right things. It wasn't like we went out and, and like you know found the place that had Omicron and walked into it. Uh, <laughs> I think it came to us. Honestly, yeah. I think it found us through people that we live with. And that's, yeah, and family over the holidays. I think that's kind of what happened.
3: Well, thank God it's not long COVID. So, so I'm glad you're, you recovered.
1: I, th- well, we yeah. think we did. I, I exactly. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure we did, but it happened over Christmas for both of us. I think, I'm pretty sure. Yep, it did. But like we're I'm good. First symptom on Christmas night. Looks like I had a little oh, wow. tickle in my throat. Wow, wow, wow. Like when they say you get the tickle in your throat, that's like, that's legit. Like you get a little scratchy thing happening. And then it sort of, I, here's what I've been telling people. And then I promise I'll let you leave after this. I promise (laughs) I'll let you leave after this.
3: Okay.
1: Here's what I've been telling people. I was ripping and roaring and like running around and running errands and still like working my butt off and like doing my life stuff and feeling like I had like just this headache that wouldn't go away basically and congestion. And I'm so glad that I went ahead and took a test. Because, and it sounds crazy that I even have to say this or that I could say it, a positive COVID test is a socially acceptable reason to stop. And so once I got the positive, it gave me a reason just to rest, to lay in bed, get healthy, take medicine, drink tea, watched TV, watched a ton of movies, and and read a ton, and felt good enough to go. But I didn't have to, and everybody understood. That's right, yeah. And that's what was so cool because had I not taken the test, I would have just kept going.
2: Yeah, you push through it, right? That's that's it. It's it's your get out of hustle free card right there.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. So if you think you have it, go take the test. Be positive. You know, give yourself grace. Yeah, yeah, give yourself the grace <laughs> to sit down and chill, and just like Val says, read a book a day and watch a movie a day. You're being right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Awesome.
3: I'm an All indoor right. person, as you could tell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it went for her anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: why I haven't caught COVID. I don't leave the house.
1: <laughs> we avoided it for like nearly two years. So yeah,
2: yeah. So we never had
1: it before. We were like. We're the lucky ones. We have the dragon blood or whatever. And then <laughs> the tiger blood. Sorry. And yeah. uh it hit us. We got snapped by it like Thanos. So yep, that's, what, all good. that's what happened. But you, I think you are going to be the unicorn
2: that never gets COVID. That's right. Yeah, I believe that? it
3: out i i have an at-home production right keep in mind yeah. i'm an animation this yeah. is what's so funny at nfb like when they were recording me to get me to come with them they're like oh and you won't you have a studio and you won't be alone and like you have all this crew and everything and it's then like, COVID hits and i'm doing a remote production yeah
1: yeah so i'm still mm. alone <laughs> <laughs> I'm But COVID. But COVID-free, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, here, well, here's to getting out and not being, not having to worry about it in 2022. That's yeah, the yep. prayer. That's the hope. For um, sure. and we'll just see how it goes. They every time one variant ends, they report a new variant, like Delta and Omicron having a baby, flu, Rona, and it's like God, we're just so over it. It's like, come on what the hell was unleashed upon this planet on us, but I'm going to stay optimistic. 2022 is a year where we're going to see some sunshine and get some things done and stay disease and virus-free, hopefully. Hopefully. There you go. And you checking in on you, Val. Thank you so much. You're so wonderful. You're the best. And we'll talk to you really soon. Bye. For sure. Take care. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Valerie, Valerie Bornhart, folks.
2: That was awesome. She's,
1: she's a ball of creativity and energy, isn't she? She
2: is. Book a day, a movie a day. Dude, that's content <coughs> consumption right there. I can't like believe series. she was
1: able to like curate down things to actually say, hey, this was the best, this was the worst. Yeah. With as much as she sort of – you know what's cool, though, about – taking in that much content, it gives you incredible contrast and the ability to really delineate great from good and good from bad. Very similar to us with screenplays. It's like when you read enough screenplays, you like recognize immediately poor structure, bad grammar, story's not gonna work. You like notice it right away because you've read enough screenplays where it's like, all the great ones have similarity they have like super creative transitions and super great pacing and they have like the nuance pieces that like make someone great versus good or, or make a a piece of work great versus bad. Whereas like if you read just a, if you've read just a handful of screenplays or books or just a handful of movies, you don't know. You might know. I I've, I've got well, some well, family friends who think stomp the yard is the best movie ever made.
2: Yeah, but it depends on like who you are and and how you look at things. Like I was going to ask and I and I kind of refrained from it, you know, to cuz you could get into this conversation but like for each of the folks that we just talked to, we could ask them, do you watch movies with regular people? Uh not right? the movies, you mean. Exactly, cuz that's I didn't know if like his house. Like, you're Right. Because <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like, think about it as a director, as an animator, like, you just have a different eye, right? Yeah. And yeah. I know that for me, you know me, and I'm like, um, I can be critical of the things that I don't think work. And sometimes I can get in the way of my enjoyment of a film. Right. Right. right? So, like you said, you know, some of the greats, they have this, that, and the other. But I'm like, there's so much stuff out there that actually, isn't great, but people love it and they rave about it. You know, I'm like, yeah, but this and this didn't make sense. And they're like, yeah, whatever. But the, the performance was awesome. I was like, so that big story hole, the whole thing falls into at the end. Like, you don't, don't care about that. Yeah, whatever. It was great. It was nice. It was funny. Like, let it go. I'm like,
3: <laughs> like it just right, it yeah, aggravates it gets, me. It
2: gets, fru- it
1: gets frustrating because that's such a glaring hole that that I had a we had a mutual friend named Tommy that was like that. And he couldn't get over. We watched some Denzel movie together where there was like, um, felt like there was time travel involved. I can't remember Mm -hmm. the name of that. And it was a good movie. It was entertaining. He could not get past that. He was unable to suspend his disbelief based on the science. They were sort of, this the entire movie on the so, whole movie was based on the fact that you could do something that he found so implausible that the whole movie wasn't worth watching, regardless of the fact that Eva Mendez was in it
2: and Denzel Washington. I
1: think, like, it's like right. So,
2: so, real quick, is it too early to have a conversation? And this is brief because we already had a great conversation earlier, but I could tack this on at the end. Is it too early? To talk about Spider Man and one of the issues that I have with it. Like So you want to spoil it? Yeah. Is it too early to spoil? Um
4: uh,
2: what do you have? I don't have to the talk about rules. It. I don't know. Like this is,
1: I, this is out at theaters, but it's not streaming. I don't think we can spoil it
2: until it hits it's streaming. Streamed. So, okay, all right. I'm not going to say anything cuz I have a,
1: a let's put a pin in it. A, a so
2: pin. We're going to put a pin in that. And
1: make sure that okay. we are coming back to it. Okay. Because uh, much like Spencer earlier, I didn't want to give anything away. Right. But once everyone's ha- once everyone's had a chance to digest it, I'll give you my thoughts on why Spencer f- failed while doing everything perfectly? Or let's say nine out of the ten things let's say that you need theoretically to make a film great. Like it's still going to get nominated because
2: it's just it's too expert. Well, same thing with Spider-Man. But, right? I'm not saying I didn't like yeah. it was garbage. right? I'm not saying anything, anything foolish yeah. like that. Yeah. And some of the performances were amazing. Yeah. I'm going to give it all that. It's just these story holes or one in particular that bothered me. And I think one of the reasons it bothered me so much is that I am not Hollywood. Okay. And what that means is, is that I am not of the upper echelon of folks who does this on a regular basis has done it a thousand times and seen these stories and seen all these things. So, what I'm saying is that if I noticed this, yeah. why didn't they? Yeah. Right? And that's what bothers me. There's no way out of that film, out of the number of people who were involved, someone didn't raise their hand and be like, uh, sir, uh, ma'am. Um, yeah. Just saying. I think, so I, we'll think, I, think it, I know
1: what it is. Pinning it. And I will talk to you about it. And I'm later, and yeah. see if because it, if it's what I think it is, it jumped out at me, and I just decided to let it go. Like,
2: yeah, you have like to.
1: You, the ending of Inception, gets you. <laughs> I let it go. I thought it was like, hey, how are you? Because if you're Chris and how are you going to end this? Oh yeah, and you probably screen tested it. The screen testing that I don't think people realize. How much technology and analysis goes into screen testing when you hire a company to do it for you. It is so in-depth, it is so um, like their job is to make sure your movie is profitable. We've never talked this should be any talk. We've never talked about this on any talk. Yeah, if you can afford it, you should hire a screening company.
4: Um
1: a test. This a company that will do test screenings with a variety of groups. The type of insights you will get, you will know who to brand and market to. You will know who likes it. You'll know if your ending works or not. You'll know if your movie works uh, in this part of the country or that part of the country, and so 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 much more. Uh, it's worth it if you can afford it versus setting up your own sort of screenings. You know, in your in your town, and with your friends and family, you know, I I think it's tough anytime you're going to do it with your friends or family. That's typically who watches it, though.
3: Friends and family,
1: and then your friends of your friends and family come, and then you know what what feedback can they give you? uh, You know, you know, are they won't damage the family friend dynamic? Right? Are are they couching (laughs) anything? That's that's the question. So yeah. Anyway, future topics galore. This has been a blast. But it would be crazy if we ended this without talking about this podcast and our favorite moments from 2021 just doing the Make It podcast. This was a really big year for us, Nick. Like I think this is, and I've told you this privately, this was the most fun I have had doing this podcast. This year, this year, and that's not to belittle or begrudge guests from 2020 or 2019 or late 2018, actually, when this thing started. I can't believe we've been doing it this long. It's such a great run. It's just there was something about this mix of, of guests that just blew me away. It started early. We talked about Robert Broadhurst and Valerie earlier this year and just them having such an interesting take on the, the, the work they're doing and such an, an openness about them because the reality is, and this is a little bit of inside baseball to the audience, Nick is there are times where the person we're interviewing just isn't isn't in the sharing mood or doesn't want to overshare or there are a lot of times where those indie creatives, even though they've been successful, they don't feel that themselves and they yeah, feel like we're pushing a little bit too much or uh, they don't want to step into the spotlight at all. Uh, and then there are times where, you know, you just get a guest and they're just not a good guest. Like they're just not somebody who likes to talk or has something um, fresh, or original, or some perspective that's just their own to, to provide. But 2021 was really, for the most part, devoid of that. Um, I was really taken aback by, let's say, like Corby Linker's total soul-bearing on the podcast. You know, breaking down in in tears and sharing. Uh, really honest and intimate moments about his dad and his family and how he grew up blown away, floored by Chris Haley. Now I I shouldn't say Nick that I, I shouldn't be surprised when you look at who he is and where he could, like, I don't want to make it sound like Chris wasn't supposed to be a good interview. No, (laughs) he knew he was going to be a great interview. I did not know he was going to teach me so much. This idea of scouring this country to find unmarked graves of slaves blows my mind. Yeah, the idea that- He found 3,000 in Annapolis, Maryland. There's gotta be 30,000 in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, it's the idea that even it even exists, but like, it's yeah. just not something that people think about.
1: No one thinks. Yeah, it's like very few people are thinking about it. I'm so glad he made the film, and then his poetry. Now, now you liked. I think you liked. If I could, mm-hmm. I did. I liked very one much. He did so. at the end. Yeah, or well, the, uh, the podcast as well. Like I thought that was that one. I had to catch my when he finished. I was emotional. I honestly was, and I had to pause for a second bef-
2: before I broke back in and said, wow. Yeah, well, I one of the reasons why I think I connect with If I Could is just that, I mean, honestly, I think everyone can connect with it, you know, in their own way. You know, it's just when you, if you see it, right, and you see the words on the page, it is like you said, it's like it can kind of be off-putting a bit. Right, because it's if I could die. Right, it's like just for a day, just for a moment, if I could die, and it's like, whoa, that's 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 tough, man. Like that's serious. Like, are you okay? That's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying, right? And I've been in that space where it's just like, if I could just escape, right, because that idea of of dying is basically in that context going to another world, right? Going to another space where everything else doesn't exist anymore. It's not a problem. It's not enough, I could take a vacation because yeah. you know if you take a vacation, all that crap is still back at home, yeah. right? It follows you, but it doesn't follow you into death, right? And that, that was that thing where it's just like when you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, mm-hmm. if you could just escape the weight for a day, for a minute, for a moment, whatever that is to be free of it, that would be beautiful. That might be heaven. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, to kind of take it back to another guest, which is Travis Nicholson, you know, meditation, yeah, right. Reflection sitting in a moment where maybe you just breathe, right. Maybe the escape is five to 10 minutes of, you know, breathing and just getting out of your head for a moment, right? Like, maybe that's what it is. So I think, like, everyone has this in them, which is why everyone has some sort of escape, right? So, I yeah, that was one of the ones that just that hit me, you know, pretty hard. And like I said, Travis, dropping knowledge on, you know, just, you know, whether it's yoga, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's, you know, like – you know, the, your chakras and being in alignment with those is just, hey, look, you might need to tap into something that's out of this world, right, in order to find peace and sanctity. And, you know, and I, I really kind of um, tied into that as well from Travis. Well, I also love from
1: Travis just his ability to, to sort of level set, you know, with you in, in a very relatable way as a creative, like... Hey, um, you need you need to like fight for what is yours. That's right? right. Like if you believe in it, and you believe you should get the credit for it, you don't have to be pushed around just because you don't have a name, or because somebody has more credits than you, or the money people are threatening you. And the reason I think that hit home with me so so much is that. There are these filmmakers that we've worked with in the past where that's happened to them,
2: where mm-hmm. they've
1: let the big name or the person with the money come in and and give a threat, and they gave into it, and because it's scary. Yeah, you know it's scary. You don't know. It's like it's almost like getting, you know, a cancer diagnosis. Whenever you hear about someone having cancer, the first thing that happens is is you or someone in the room starts to give all the different ways they heard that you can beat cancer without chemo. First thing that happened. But when you get in the shoes of the person with the cancer, do they have, and would you have the courage to go against your doctor's orders If he says your best chance to survive, this is your life. Your best chance to survive is chemo. And that's really difficult. So as a filmmaker, it's like, you do this or you're ruined or you do this and your movie won't be successful or will be successful. This might be the only movie I make. Um, let's just play ball. And and you end up But Travis is like, no, it's really scary. It's almost like the hero's journey. It's okay. really scary, but you're going to come out the other side, a changed person and you're going to come out the other side.
2: Like- yeah. But he had, and, and it's good that you mentioned the hero's journey because you know, he definitely had a guide. He had people behind him, right, who did, he told him, hey, stick to your guns, bro. You know, you, you earn this. You deserve it. Stick to your guns, right? And, again, like you said, a lot of folks don't listen to that sage advice, right, and they get tripped up by it. But he listened, right, and those people stuck by him, and he got what he deserved, right, which is, the credits that he deserved and it's awesome it is a great story this
1: whole conversation we've had people tell us their favorites of 2021 and be very definitive and then you know i heard you say to valerie i'm not going to hold you to one because you read so much like just give me a couple of your favorites this is how i feel about our podcast conversations this year oh yeah during 2021 It might be, like, I'm a big, like, let's be definitive. What was your favorite? Or, you know, and maybe what was your one or two? In this case, I'm going to stick with the Nick methodology. I I think it's really hard to say that was my favorite, this was my favorite, or this was the best, or that was the best, when really what it is is that was the best for my intellect. Like, so Michael McRae, for example. Uh, that was like being in college and having a professor teach you something, but something scandalous, something oh, yeah. you're not supposed to know so much about. And the the line I think you you broke out from this was: you have a five percent chance of winning your whistleblower case, but yep. a ten percent chance of
2: committing suicide, dude. That floored me. I don't know how many people I told after that. I mean that is daunting. Yeah I mean you know that is you know like and like he said it, it's you look at those numbers, right? five and ten. Mm-hmm. You're twice as likely to commit suicide as a whistleblower than you are to win your case. twice as likely. Man, floored. Yeah. And that doesn't even talk about sort
1: of the day-to-day anguish, you know. But yeah. I spoke with my family. I I couldn't stop talking about the interview after I got done. So this was even before it published. Yeah. And I'm sitting there talking to folks for weeks and people in the family, like, you know, if I actually saw something corrupt and wanted to be a whistleblower, you know, how would you guys respond to that? And it really caused this pause, which was like. I really don't know if I'd want you to be a hero. I really don't know if I'd want you to walk that line and ruin all of our lives for something we didn't even care about. There you go. And so that's not suicide. (laughs) That's probably going to happen. Like your whole family is probably going to leave you in the. It's a suicide of of sorts.
2: Righteous. It's suicide of sorts, right? Like it's the death of the relationship you have with your family, Mm -hmm. right? That is huge. Right, that that is, and especially if you if you can't get it back, I mean, that that's huge, man. Right, and so yeah, that whole whistleblower world, right? Like, it's a world in itself. Like, it's just something that we had no idea about that we were taught a lot about, and it's like you said, like everybody loves whistleblower stories, but I don't know how many people are telling yeah. them. I guess you know. the book right there. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, um,
1: you know, that compares with with our interview with Michael. I mean, right. And, and you might get more in terms of what it's really like from the interview than you would from a whistleblower book. So everybody should check that one out. Um, so in the category of favorite guest that humbled me, Alex Schmitter. Yeah our first trans guest, as far as we know, but man, man, did I, did I misunderstand the point before we researched Alex and spoke to him and he's so gracious and, and smart and thoughtful on the topic and not at all sort of like his goal wasn't to push anyone out. That's right. The way he spoke was, let me bring you in and embrace you and not judge you for whatever ignorance you may have, which I feel like I started with, right? I was like, okay, yeah. I know I'm ignorant here. He he came in and, and laid it all on the line. And plus his movies, um, in a humble way, by the way, and plus, his movies are excellent. Like sometimes yeah. we'll 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 interview someone, and they've and the and the point is they've made a movie in the indie space. That's the point. They've made a movie. How did they do it? Let's get down. Let's break it down for the audience so they can find out how they can make their movie. And sometimes the movies just you know it's okay, but that wasn't the point. Whether it was like an Oscar winner or not, the point was right, the right. no. Alex's movies are great. <laughs> they're, they're everybody should see them. He, he he did a great job. So I don't know. Any thoughts on Alex Schmitter?
2: Yeah, I'd say the same. You know, I'll have to say that his delivery, right? Like it honestly felt like you're talking to a really good friend. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't like the the person again, he's not talking at you in any way. He's not forcing an opinion on you. It's honestly it's it's weird. It was like. You're having a conversation and his arms around you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the clo- like that's what it felt like. Like this is cool, man. Like this is comfortable. We're gonna talk about this. But guess what? I'm gonna educate you a little bit along the way. Right. I'm gonna make you think about things a little bit more, you know, differently. Like disclosure, you gotta see it. You know, you gotta see, and you make it for what it is you want it to be, what you need it to be. But yeah. for me, it was like it was eye-opening, right? And I think one of the ways that he was even more eye-opening for me was if I just take it out of the context of transgender and I put it in the context of African-American, right? So, like, if I had seen films that portrayed African-American males in a certain way, how would that make me feel? Yeah, Right? Because I don't want it to be about them, right? Those transgender people. Like, it's not... I, they are me. Right. They are people. They're human beings. Right. Like, right. and I think that's what Alex was basically saying is like, just listen for the purpose of understanding. Like, I'm not asking you to listen for the purpose of agreeing. Right. Like you don't need to come to this side. You don't, I don't need to change. I need you to understand like, as long as you understand as a human, how something like this could be hurtful or whatever, like that's enough. Yeah. Right, And I think that's what I got I, from him. And then from watching Disclosure, it was just like, yeah, now I understand more. And again, yeah, it was just great, great conversation. So who do you have on your
1: favorite conversation list? Are there any more conversations
2: that jump out yeah. at you as like some of your favorite of the year? Yeah, one of the ones that jumps out at me was of course Sheila and oh, um, Yeah, I think for me... There's, there's a lot there. So, because one, she's just this, you know, positive ball of energy. She's a right, that you, Yeah, that you can feel through the universe. But she's also, like you said, she's a juggernaut in that, you know, she's started, you know, Indie flicks And, like, there's, there's so much to what she is doing, not just for film and not just for independent film, but for humans, for people, yeah. right? Through the lens, right, of film. So there are so many things that she's doing that are going out to schools, you know, across the country, you know. Her, her um, business model talk is priceless. Yeah, because it is it is what we talk, right? It's like, if you can be more than an individual film, right? Right then you have a lot more to stand on. And, you know, her current project, Race to Be Human, is a perfect example of that, right? So I would invite everybody to go look that up, you know, Race to Be Human. And there's a lot of story behind it. There's purpose behind it, right? There is passion behind it. There is education behind it. There's a zeitgeist, right, that we're in right now that's behind it. There's educational material that supports it, right? There's a campaign. It's not just a movie. It's not like, just go watch this thing, right? And it's a series, but it's like, go learn, go share, right? Go be a part of this thing. And that's different than just a movie, right? we were talking earlier about, um, you know, going to the theater and having an experience, well, that's what Sheila is creating. She's creating experiences, around these topics that she's discussing via film. And I think it's just an amazing thing. I, I love everything about it. Totally agree with
1: you there. You know, you might have say this next, but I've got to mention Alexi, Alexis Canvas. Oh yeah, Alexi, yeah.
2: <laughs> Alexi,
1: which is what he goes by. And the reason why for me is that to me, he's the filmmaker, To watch. He's the guy that we interviewed this year that I said to myself, he has a POV. And at some point, he's going to make an Academy Award winning film. I just get that sense from him that he has such a strong POV. And uh, such a great command of what he wants to do—that's really rare. It's really, really rare. He's not copying anybody. Right. You go watch his films; they're not like anything you've ever seen or you're ever going to see. He's in his own lane, and he's friends with Spike Lee.
2: So, right, and he's he's working in a pipeline of high level content creation. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's got, you know, again, that Spike Lee Film Production Fund, you know, that goes to graduate students at Tisch. Um, again, yeah, like you said, his own point of view. He's focused on, you know, with La Bucina, you got the Netflix of science based films. Like that's a, it's a whole thing. And you can go through there and like. I mean, I know people swipe, 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 TikTok. But, like if you're into science based stuff like you can get deep right um, in, into Labosina it is there's so much there and it's everyone has the point of view everyone has different topic they're discussing and you can learn a lot while also being kind of enamored by the filmmaking of it because some of the stuff man they bring some things together that you wouldn't ever expect but they do it in, in such a masterful way to teach you something yeah so yeah I, I agree that he's off to some Wonderful places, doing great things with great people, and we're just gonna keep watching that trajectory because it's just it's yeah. skyrocketing, man! It's shooting way up.
1: We have to make it out to Labocine Ciné as well to his film festival. His film yeah. festival, yeah. Um, I think it's an international trip, Nick.
3: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Yeah, we might have to get like uh, you know shots in the stomach or something. I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> but but no, we whenever feels like we should do that and we can do that we should go do that that sounds like a good freaking time oh yeah for sure it favorite you know there are people what did i say earlier about like so there are people who like just aren't good at being on the microphone because they don't do it a mm-hmm. lot like they're filmmakers or they're doing their thing they're great at that but they don't get on they don't have conversations like this right the person who does do that that sticks out is alex ferrari he is so good on the microphone. You can tell this is what he does for a living because when he tells you a story, he tells it in, in such an animated and voracious and interesting way. A lot of times when someone is speaking and they're speaking, let's say quickly, it can kind of get on you a little bit and you're like, he has mastered how to like ebb and flow and have the rhythm and just tell you a story and then take the wealth of knowledge from his past podcast guests and his own experience and then wrap a lesson up in the story. Yeah. <clears throat> or, or wrap a warning in the story or a, this is a situation, you know what I mean? So.
2: Yeah. And I'll, to I'll Alex say, Ferrari. appreciate him for yeah. coming on. And I'll, I'll jump in on that one too. 100th episode as well. 100th conversation. <laughs> there we go. Perfect person to have on for the 100th episode. Um, But I'll also add to that, that um, his storytelling is natural. Mm -hmm. um, But the other part of it is it's very genuine, right? Like he's got nothing to hide when he's talking.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. He's putting it out there because of what he does, right? This is, he's trying to educate. He's trying to, like you said, warn in some place. He's trying to advise. He's trying to just be real, right? And I think that's what he's based his podcast off is just being real and sharing his real experiences throughout all this, so that's another thing that I got from him, and the fact that you know, hey, he's hustling, folks. Yeah, he's legit. Like you know, it says the indie film hustle, like he's hustling, right? Yep. And it's it's true to who he is in his heart of hearts that he's a hustler, and it was it was good line. to hear that. Exactly, not just a tagline. Like it's legit. Like he's he's walking the walk, and he has,
1: you know, the results vary. <clears throat> You know to be to keep it 100, right? But which he would appreciate. But what's what's consistent is that is the dude has ideas, man. Like that's right. He has hustle ideas. Like how are we going to do it? Nothing's getting in my way. And oh that oh there's a wall. Let me make a hole through (laughs) it. Right. Show you you how to do it. Um, This is the longest indie talk we've ever done. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it well, is the most and It's different. just thrown
1: by. It's it's been a blast. I yeah. you know I, I don't I don't mind it. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Christian Gregory. Um, save maybe the the best for last. I don't know. Um, you know his dad Dick meant a lot to us. Meant a lot to how our company got formatted. Uh, um, how it came to fruition. Uh, the inspiration to go into film instead of tech in publishing, which is what we originally started out doing. We might circle back on that. Who knows? Because <laughs> those things seem to converge with what we're doing now. But the courage and the understanding to go into film and the, the motivation and inspiration of the world that just surrounded him is, was meaningful and then to have Christian come on who had been so gracious to us for as long as he's known us and then just just give us the full Christian Gregory experience, you know what I mean? Was like, awesome, like, uh, at, at length, it was awesome, dude. At length, bro.
2: At length, you know, because there's so many stories to tell and I have to give it to him. I mean, honestly, out of all the guests might have been like the best storyteller best storyteller yep right i'll have to give it that it's just the best story and you're you're in it you're two feet in like you're just listening to this and i I swear there's parts of those stories that i can see in my mind you know like the kids taking the the car
1: ferrari makes a mundane (laughs) story good and christian is a better storyteller because his stories
2: are about people the entire world knows (laughs) exactly and it's just you know, there was a depth to every, and it's real. Yeah. Every piece Not him of just it, just name was, dropping. Exactly. But there was a piece, I mean, every piece of it, like I said, I could, there was, it was tangible in my mind, right. I could envision all of it. And, you know, there was a lot of it. It was just so much great content. such great conversation. It was just, it was a lot. And it was a lot to, you know, to consume for a lot of people. And I hope that people made it all the way through. If you, if it took you two days Right. It's all good. Make it through it. And if you haven't listened, you got to listen. I mean, you're going to laugh in this. You're going to learn in this. You know, it's just um, it was just a great, great conversation. I totally agree. Cannot wait to do a round two with Christian. Uh, It's probably going
1: to be very similar to the first round. It's going to be long. And somewhere deep down, I hope that one of our guests had mentioned the documentary is one of the best indie films to come out this year. Uh, about about his dad. Uh, yep. It was one of my favorite things. I saw this in 2021. Yeah, so, The one and only Dick Gregory. One and only Dick Gregory. So if no one said it, we said it. Go watch the one and only Dick Gregory wherever you can see it. Andre Gaines directed. Great, great job there. And I think we did the thing, Nick, but I, I don't want to leave this conversation without giving our 2021 best friends of Banzai and the Make It podcast in particular Lori Peterson Wade, we love you. Been a supporter since the beginning, telling, yeah. you know, helping us behind the scenes in ways that uh, go unnoticed by most, but not by us. Uh, Cookie McCray, uh, you've been a real friend, a real friend. Uh, thank you so much for doing the things you've done behind the scenes. There's, there's countless times that she has provided assistance uh, on a variety of conversations. I'll just put it that way and I'll leave the rest of it a secret. Yeah, Chris Connor has been a rock for us and just a, a wonderful supporter of ours. Mark Jackson, just Mark D. Jackson, awesome guy, awesome dude, solid dude. Um, I hope I'm not leaving anybody else out. Of course our own team, Elise Bakken, Jason McConnell, Matt Williams, uh, the whole crew, uh, Papa Bear. Randall Yeah. And and everybody, every filmmaker that came to the filmmaker dinners this year, that was one of the best things we decided to do in 2021. It is an unbelievable time and unreal networking, unreal food, unreal wine. It just is... like the best conversations, total inside baseball stuff. It was great. So if you guys were a part of that, thank you. And for this audience, maybe one day we will host a little conference, Nick. Mm-hmm. And we'll charge some amount per head or something. And we'll do a massive sort of bonsai filmmaker dinner. Everybody else is doing film festivals right? Sundance is coming up. It's going to be virtual. That sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, Wish it could be in person. Uh, But what Bonsai might do in the make it podcast is we might just have a dinner festival. There you go. You just bring a bunch (laughs) of people in and we just eat, converse and drink and network like crazy. And some producer is going to meet some director some cinematographers going to meet some line producer. Some screenwriter is going to meet some great actor. It's just going to be great. So let's uh, let's workshop that. And like, there you go. There you go. Let's, let's, you go. let's we're talk about it. Happen early twenty twenty three or something like that. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. So, Nick, do you have anything to add to everything I just said? Did I leave anybody <laughs> out?
2: Uh, I'll just say this: that you know. I've got a list of even more uh, great conversations, great points, uh, folks that came on, um, but we don't want to be exhausted, right? Uh, We don't want to make this any longer than it needs to be, but I just want to give a shout out, right? If you're, if we didn't say your name in this podcast, um, that doesn't mean that you've been left out, right? There's a lot of love that has come through these conversations there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of learning. Um, there's a lot of short films, feature films that we really adored from the folks uh, that we work with um, and that we, you know, had these conversations with. So, like, don't feel left out. You guys are all awesome. 2021 was, like Chris said, is one of the best years for the podcast. And every last one of you was a critical part of that and a springboard for 2022. So we love you all. We appreciate you.
1: Well said. And if you want to tell us uh, who we left out or how much you love us or how much you hate us, you can do that at contact at bonsai.film. That's an email address. As I've mentioned in the past. So email (laughs) us, let us know how you feel. If you want to get in touch with Nick and maybe give him some questions, concerns, queries, you name it. He'd love for you to reach out to him at his email address, Nick at bonsai.film. You can find me on Twitter, at Flaming Your Heart, or you can just search for Christopher Barkley and I will come right up. Feel free to tweet at me, DM me, whatever you want to do. On the socials, it's underscore bonsai creative, although we have some cool things coming for social very, very soon, so we may switch that up, but for now, underscore bonsai creative. Uh, and then, of course, our website is our number one resource www.bonsai.film You can go there, get everything you need about bonsai, but also everything you want to know and learn about the Make It podcast and how to support it, how to be a part of it, how to listen to it. It's all right there on the website. We also have an incredible blog called Industry Insights, where you can click on that and read all the most important things that are happening in and around independent film. And um I don't think I left anything out, Nick. Uh, Do we have a link on the website yet where people can can sign up for our newsletter? No, we have the,
2: um, you can sign up for the uh, Industry Insights blog post. And, you know, when you do that, it signs up for the newsletter as well. So that's a good place, uh, a good place to go. So go to
1: bonsai.film, go to Industry Insights blog and then sign up there. That'll get you part of the newsletter. We do it every two weeks. <clears throat> we excuse me <laughs> COVID, covid every two weeks we send out a newsletter it's gotten rave reviews so far um we are super proud of it it has i, I want to say a 50% plus open rate so far it's like incredible in this in this newsletter game i'm told so keep it up guys we'll keep working for you keep trying to put together and curate the most interesting things for you uh, possible and the most important things, not just interesting, but important and valuable things that you can use in your own career to make your content and your career either easier or better. And that's that's always been our goal. And so with that in mind, Nick, can you give
2: us the credo? Uh, But of course, folks, be better, be creative, engaged and thank you for listening nick
1: on to 2022 we go yeah man let's do it all right talk to you soon
2: yes sir take it easy man you too all right peace
1: peace you've
0: been listening to the make it podcast to find out more information about this week's topics including links to relevant blog posts projects and indie creatives please visit our website at www.banzai.film If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click Contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film. And you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Flaming Your heart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course... If you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsaifilm and click on services to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative,
4: be engaged, and thank you for listening.